This morning we're going to begin a new series called Collide. The idea is that Christianity and the culture that surrounds it are different. And because they're different, they are on a collision course. It's always been that way, though, from the beginning of the church. Christianity has collided with the culture around it. And there are a lot of people a lot smarter than I am who have written some very famous books and had very famous articles published about how the church should relate to the culture around it. Do we let the culture drive us? Do we drive the culture? Do we separate from the culture? Do we impact the culture? We talk about all kinds of different perspectives. And, and what I'd like for us to do over the next four weeks is to spend a little bit of time digging into the scriptures to get an idea about some pretty weighty issues. Like what is truth? You have your truth. I have my truth. If it works that way, what is the truth? If you have your truth and I have my truth, doesn't that mean we live in different realities? Can we coexist in different realities? Scripture, as, we, as we're going to look at many verses through this series, we're going to get the sense that, that overall Scripture speaks of one reality that does indeed have absolute truth. And God himself is the author of that truth. Now here's a little trigger alert. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to say some things that sound so foreign to some of you that you're going to be offended. When that happens, feel free to talk with me about it. Let's sit down and talk. I am going to do my very best to tell you what Scripture says, and we can open it up together, and we can wrestle with it together. But some of what the Bible says is so foreign than what some of you have ever heard that it's at first going to be offensive. Part of that is because of the time in which we live. There was a day when everyone basically saw truth as uh, it, within submission to authority and tradition. Everyone saw the world around them and they saw truth based on what was tradition. What did people teach us in the past? And what are the authority figures telling us? That's the way the world functioned, especially early on in Christian history when there really wasn't any difference between the church and government. When, when they became basically the same thing, we saw truth as submitting to authority and tradition. Well, then the Enlightenment happened. And the, in the Enlightenment, folks began to see the world differently. 
through that, that modern age, we might call it, that was kind of triggered by that enlightenment experience or movement, people saw truth based on rational thinking and senses. Instead of tradition and authority, now people saw truth based on rational thinking and their senses. What is true? It's something that I can understand, something that I can think through that makes sense. Truth is that which I can see, smell, touch, hear. That is real because I can, my senses experience it. And that was that modern age where so many things were accomplished and discovered and created and invented. Just amazing things happen as we focus on what is real, what is true, those things that are rational and those things that I can sense, I, I can experience through my senses. And then we entered into what we call the postmodern age. In, in postmodern thinking, there's a pendulum. And because, because we're new and we're different, we don't want to see the world the way previous generations saw it. Therefore, since previous generations focused on rational thinking and experiencing truth by what I can sense, postmodern goes almost the exact opposite. And in, post, in our postmodern world, what's right and wrong for me is not necessarily right and wrong for you. Truth is found within self today. You have your truth, I have my truth. The very idea of an absolute truth seems naive to some. When you speak of an, of an absolute truth, many people in our culture today think, oh my goodness, you're so old-fashioned and so naive and so stupid. <laughs> you choose your truth, your values, your ideas. You decide what's right and wrong. That's the culture in which we live. We have now a generation of parents and community leaders who have only been exposed to that postmodern way of thinking. And so I want us just to jump into scripture, spend some time here, and, and see if we can learn from God's word how we are to see truth reality, how are we to interact with a culture that is so different than our own? Worldly priorities are different than God's priorities. Worldly values are different than God's values. The kingdom of man is not seeking the same things as the kingdom of God. And so we're going to spend some time talking through these things. Have you ever, you ever gone wading in a river or a lake? And as you, as you walk through that river, that lake, especially around here, you can't see through that water. You don't know what you're about to step on. And so while you're wading through that water, the 
the, the, the sand and the, the dirt underneath you is shifting. And so as you walk through, you've got to be really careful. Each step might be a twist of an ankle. You don't know if you're going to stand on firm ground or not. That is the way many get through life. Not sure because things are changing all the time. Fox or CNN or worst yet, Twitter, tell us what to think. How to see the world. And what was okay a year ago is now not okay. It's always shifting. It's like we're trying to shoot at a moving target to prove that we're okay, we're nice. It's very difficult to adjust in a culture that is constantly changing and canceling. Our main text for the this, this series comes out of Colossians 2. This morning, we're going to look at 8 through 10. We're going to begin with the, the, the simple thought that we need to stand firm. Now, as we go through the series, we'll talk about other things that we can do to interact in the, the culture, that we can reach the culture, how we can adjust to, uh, to uh, understand the culture while depending on God's word, all of that. But this morning, we've got to start on firm foundation. We've got to start with the ground that's not shifting under us. We stand firm. If you have your copy of scripture with you, look with me in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. He starts by showing us the difference between the world around us and the kingdom of Christ. See to it that no one takes you captive by the philosophy, the empty deceit, the human tradition, the elemental spirits of the world, the elemental spirits, the elemental forces. That word elemental means the basic ABC. It was used to, to describe the alphabet. It means the basic ABCs. In other words, don't let human tradition and the world around you tell you what are the basic things that you need to know about life. That leads to deceit. Instead, we want to build our view of truth and reality on Christ. In him, the whole fullness of deity dwells. All of God is found in Christ. And so we build our faith on him. Through the series, we're going to focus on that verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, deceptive philosophy. Those things depend on human tradition and are the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. That word tradition is an important word, by the way. 
The, the word literally means given from one to another. Given from one to another. And so here is the problem. Much of what we believe today has been given to us by tradition, has been given to us by other humans. We have decided what we feel comfortable with, what sounds right, what feels good, and by good I mean good, not, not sinful pleasure, but what feels like a good thing. We've decided these things and then we've told one another, this is how you find happiness. This is how it works. It's all based on us giving things to one another instead of finding our basis in him. So this morning we challenge ourselves to figure all this out and to find that firm foundation again. It starts here. Worldly values are inconsistent. The reason we don't want to just allow the Twitterverse to control how we view the world and, and we don't want to just sign up for our political side and then all of a sudden we just magically happen to agree with all of the political leaders on that side. That's how so many of us go through life. We find out what conservatives are supposed to think about something and that's what we think. We find out what liberals are supposed to think, what the progressives are supposed to feel and we feel that way. Instead of allowing those kinds of elemental things to drive us, we have to understand that those worldly values are inconsistent. They're always moving. So you can't build a life on them. You've heard it in our language. You've heard the postmodern influence in our language. How do we advise one another? We say, well, you have to follow your heart. Follow your heart. You'll find truth within. So just do what feels right. The heart wants what the heart wants. How many times have we heard that, said that? Do what makes you happy because that's your truth. See how good all that sounds? All that sounds, it makes sense to us. And the fact that it makes sense to us is part of the problem. Because instead of following your heart and the heart wants what the heart wants and do what makes you happy, Scripture says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful. The heart is deceitful above all things. When we buy into the messages that we get from our culture that we should just let our heart drive us and our heart should motivate us that, that live from the heart, we have to understand that we are choosing a source that is deceitful above all things. The human heart is desperately sick according to Scripture. Who can understand it? So surely we must have some other source on which to make decisions, not just our human heart that is deceitful and sick. We hear, your truth is within you. Live your truth. Matthew 10 at 39, Jesus said, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
When you live your life based on the direction of your heart, you live your life based on what feels right and sounds right to you, you wind up losing yourself in the culture around you. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Instead, instead of looking inward to find the best you and to let your heart guide you, if we can get to that place where we actually lose our lives in service to him, that being John Crowder no longer has much to do with John Crowder, that being John Crowder now means I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we can get to that place that life is not about me, but it's about him, it is then that we find the abundant life that he promised us. When we lose life of self, we find real life. The world says, make sure you're happy. Jesus actually calls us to give up our desires and our plans and our control to serve him in his kingdom. You try being your own king, you wind up wasting so much of life. Instead, live in his kingdom, recognizing him as king, and life becomes meaningful and abundant and free. In a similar way, Matthew 7, Jesus He's at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, and as he's concluding the greatest sermon ever presented, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat at that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The foundation makes, makes the, the point. The foundation establishes life. When the culture says this week you think this, next week we're going to cancel that and give you something else to think, there's no foundation. So Jesus says, I've told you how to live life and be part of the kingdom. If you'll build your life on that, you're building on a solid rock. He goes on in that same paragraph to say, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You see, worldly values are inconsistent and therefore do not make a good foundation on which to build a life. Secondly, we understand as we go through a, a number of scriptures, we, we discover that worldly values are seductive. And since we usually use the term seductive in a sexual manner, I want to make sure you, you understand that's not really what I'm saying. Worldly values are attractive. They sound good. It's not, it's not a sinful pleasure I'm chasing. I'm chasing being good, being right. I want to know truth. I want to do the right thing. And those worldly values seem to offer those things that are right and good and true. 
Much of what we hear and learn from the world sounds good. It sounds right. But friends, we live in the time that Paul warned Timothy about. 2 Timothy chapter 4 at verse 3, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Welcome to 21st century America. You see, what happens is we figure out what we believe. And then we go to scripture or to a sermon or to a Bible study. And if what we hear matches what we already believe, then we're good. If what we read in scripture or hear doesn't match what we already believe, we reject it. But having itching ears, they accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. We have a system of beliefs first, and then we go to the scripture to verify our system of beliefs. Where Paul is telling young Timothy that's going to happen, the reason he's telling him that is he's telling Timothy, you stand firm on the scriptures, on the, God, on the word of God. Because people will need to know the word of God. The world around them is going to draw them seductively almost into different myths and ways of thinking that sounds good and is pleasing. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They instead, we instead, figure out what we believe and then we accept those people who agree with what we already believe. This is the world in which we live. Psalm 119 shows us a different picture. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it. You're going to be drawn by those things that sound good, that sound right, they make sense to us. But you can be pure by guarding your way according to your word, God's word. With my whole heart, the psalmist says, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do we know when we're out in the midst of, the, of life and we're, we're in the middle of the culture, we're living our everyday lives how do we know what is a myth that's coming to us from the world and what is the right way to go, the truth? Well, we've already listened and learned and meditated and memorized God's word, and it's already here. So that when we're out there, we can tell the difference between God's truth and what we're hearing. But it takes a little bit of discipleship, discipline. Those are the same words. Did you know that? It takes a little bit of discipleship to store up his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. We have another guide as well. Not only can we depend on scripture when worldly values are seductive, but we can also allow the spirit 
to guide us. You see, it's not enough to say no to the values of the world. We also have to say yes to the things of God. And it is the Holy Spirit who guides us in that. The last night that Jesus spent with his disciples, you know I love these, these chapters, John 14 through 17. We return to them often in our church. The last night Jesus spent with his disciples, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. How does Jesus refer to the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of truth. That's where we understand truth. That's how we view the world around us. As the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth guides us. Notice it says the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. We don't blame the world for not being Christian. We don't blame the world for having ungodly views and for being led in a different way than the Holy Spirit would lead. They don't have the Holy Spirit. So we understand that. They can't see him. They don't know him. But you know him, the last part of that verse. For he dwells in you and will be in you. He will guide us in the truth. One of my favorite games to play with uh, youth groups back 100 years ago when I was a youth pastor. You put a blindfold on one person, set up an obstacle course in the room. The person who's blindfolded is supposed to get from one side of the room to the other, go through the obstacles and get to the other side. You tell them ahead of time, your friend is going to tell you how to get through the, the obstacle course. Listen to the voice of your friend. And your friend will tell you, move left, move right, step up, duck down. Your friend will get you from point A to point B. What you don't tell them is the other students in the room are going to be yelling the wrong directions. You have to listen for your friend's voice and tune out all the other voices that are yelling the wrong stuff. And the person with the blindfold has to focus, hearing his or her friend recognizing that voice in the midst of all the other voices. As we go through our series over the, the next three weeks remaining, we're going to see how there are a lot of voices all around us that our culture is full of advice. But as a believer, as a child of God, we have the Holy Spirit within us, and it is His voice that we want to learn to recognize. You say, well, I don't, I can't, I don't hear him. I, I don't know how to recognize his voice. The more you learn how he thinks, the easier it will be to understand him. The more you talk with him, the easier it will be to hear him.